Hello and welcome to another episode of the Look Back Podcast. I am your host, Taylor Cirillo, and I am so grateful you're joining me for another week. I have some pretty, pretty good news, pretty good news <laughs> that I uh, drop in this episode. I can't wait for you to hear it. I'm excited to share it with you. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for you to find out what that is. But in the meantime, you're not here for me. We are here for our guest. And today's guest is about her business. Jessica Milani is the stylist of your dreams. She is an impeccable dresser with a huge heart and an open mind. The type of stylist who will get you together while making you laugh throughout your entire appointment. I feel blessed to have found her. And during today's episode, we will learn about the discipline required to become a business owner. You will see that Jessica is a woman of her word. And when she makes a commitment to herself, she will never disappoint. But how did she get here? Well, it all started at the age of five. And even then, Jessica was aware of her worth. Can't wait for you to hear this one. Enjoy the show. When I came to the U.S. around five years old, my stepdad had a friend who was a hairstylist. Okay. And I remember going to her, her name was Rona. I remember going to her salon and she, she was doing a weave and I was like, wow, that's so fascinating. C- can I, can I thread the needles? And she said, yeah, you were sure. five. I was, I was five. And I was like, can I thread the needles? And she was like, yeah, sure. Just take your time. And she showed me how to do one. Of course it took me some time, but the next day I came back and I was like, can you pay me a dollar? Like, <laughs> can you pay me like a dollar a week or something? Aww. And then I can work. But that was actually my my start. <laughs> but that was my start. By 13 years old, I went to my um, local hairstylist and I I told her, I was like, you know, I, I, I want to learn how to do hair, but I don't really know how to start. And she told me to come back the next day. And she made me sweep the floors for a year (laughs) before I was even able to touch an actual head. After that year, I was able to become a shampoo girl Mm. for another year. (laughs) So by then I'm 15 years old and I wanted to do more. So I asked to do more, ended up doing rollers. And from rollers, I ended up doing weaves. And then I got into it. Of course, I, I did my regular jobs. I, I used to work at Little Caesars in between. Yes. <laughs> and I still, and I, you're lactose intolerant, aren't you? I sure am. <laughs> Which made for the best employee because I never ate their pizza. <laughs> but after that, I continued to work 
from my home and I would just walk around town and tell people, you know, I know how to do hair. Look at my hair. I, I, I know how to do hair. And some people would even say yes. And I would do their hair for like $30. By the time I was, I want to say 19, I decided that I want to actually become a cosmetologist. Mm. And by... 20. I was working in Manhattan for myself. I rented a chair for the last past four years and it's it's been magical since then. Mm. So you worked in Manhattan and where were you working at that time? We were all over. I was on 34th Street for some time and then we moved to the Upper East Side, which I actually loved. I fell in love with the East Side vibe and then I moved over to the West Side and now I'm back on the East Side Okay, on, on Madison Avenue. So I think I'm, I'm, a, I'm an East Side girl. <laughs> <laughs> and I definitely want to talk about how you ended up back on the east side. But before then, what I learned about you immediately is that when you set a goal, you complete it. So tell me a bit about your decision to go to cosmetology school and how you were able to stick to you the date you wanted to enroll. So since I was a kid, I my parents had the they used to tell me you can do anything in this world other than become president. Because (laughs) I wasn't born in the U.S., so it's one thing I know I couldn't do. Um, So at 16 years old, I bought a composition notebook and I wrote down all of my dreams and everything that I wanted to do. Mm. But by 16, I I was facing a lot of adversities and a lot of difficulties in life. And I knew Mm. that my goal was going to be a little bit harder for me to attain. I wrote down plan A, B, and C. Wow. But they all led up to one major goal. Mm. And I wrote down what could possibly happen with plan A, B, and C. And they all led to the same destination. Wow. And a lot a lot of those things did actually happen, but mm-hmm. I knew how to control my surroundings in order to get to that goal. I think that pushing forward to the same goal, but accepting the fact that there was going to be a lot of difficulties and adversities in, in the path, that really helped me get to any goal that I was setting for for myself. Wow. And I, and I think that that will help anybody, not just to go into whatever you're working on blindsided and thinking that it's going to be a straight and arrow to or a straight path to wherever you're going. There's going to be obstacles and you just have to be prepared for that. Man, at 16, I think I was still <laughs> shaking my t- Tail feather. <laughs> that was my favorite song. I was definitely doing that too. But, but how, how did you find just the foresight to plan ahead? I didn't start writing things down maybe until last year. I wanted a lot, you know, mm. and uh, my town, like I'm from a small town in Westchester, Mount Vernon, and I wanted more than I saw mm. and I knew that I could do it. It's just that, as I said, just organizing it. And my mom, just a little bit of background. My mom's a nurse. My stepdad is an accountant. So mm. everything on one side was just go to work and make money. And on the other side was, okay, if I do this to get to this, I can do this. Like yeah. my, my, my stepdad's side was he was a little bit more detailed and money came a little bit easier for him. So I wanted to be just like that. Mm. But at 16, to go back to the question, at 16, I wanted so much more. Mm-hmm. And I would write down all of Oprah's quotes and Will Smith quotes <laughs> and just follow them. I remember mm. writing down this quote that said, you need seven hustles in order to be an entrepreneur, in order to be a millionaire. And 
I had two. I was like, okay, I'm going to work at Little Caesars. I'm going to sell hair. And actually, I'm going to do hair. So I was like, okay, I need four more and I could be a millionaire. So that was always my thing. I always knew that I had to work hard to get to my goal. Wow. That is, um, that's just very impressive. And I think advice that people can even take now, because it's so easy to get bogged down into your day job that even though you may want more, sometimes you're just so tired that you forget how hard you have to work to get it. You know, even an extra two hours a day can help you get there. So I love that. We can all learn from 16-year-old Jessica. (laughs) (laughs) 16-year-old Jessica was able to take advice from older, the older crowd. So that's another plus. I think Mm. that's essential. Okay. So you wanted more and you decided to, I know you told me that at one point you were working at was it Saks Fifth Avenue? Um, it was Nordstrom. 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 Yes. Uh-huh. And you told them on this day, I'm quitting. Yes. When they were hiring you. Yes. <laughs> Can you tell us a bit about that? Going into Nordstrom, I I knew that I had a goal to go to cosmetology school. And cosmetology school costs about 15000 at the time. I calculated how much I should be making every month. And I said, okay, in about a year, I should be, I should have $15,000 because I was working part-time. And that's back when minimum wage was still seven twenty-five. So I legit calculated everything. I said, okay, I should be finished within a year. So I told them I'm going to quit on October 1st of, I think it was 20. Oh, I think it was 2015. Uh, 2014. I'm not sure what year, but they were like, no, you're not. You're going to get dropped <laughs> here. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm positive. I won't. When October 1st, 2015 or 2014 came, I, no, the, the day before. So that what is that September 30th or 31st. I told them like, I'm, I'm quitting. Mm. And they were like, I will give you a raise. And I said, no, I was 18, 19, making about to be making $17 an hour mm-hmm. with no supporting college education to provide. And minimum wage was $7.25. So that was pretty good. But yeah. I knew I can do a weave for $200 with $50. There's no way. Um, so I knew I had to continue to chase my dream mm-hmm. and not let the outside influence or not let a little extra bucks that's momentarily like great drive me from my goal. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important to set an accomplishment date for whatever it is that you're you're pushing for. And I agree. I agree. Writing it down and giving yourself a deadline mm-hmm. is one of the keys to getting stuff done. Definitely. But also, so I found you, I have to admit, and I want everyone to know that I've I've come back to New York. I've been here for maybe five years. And I remember I was talking to my, so also (laughs) I'm married. I got married in between the time I saw you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Only I think you were telling me, but (laughs) we got a loaf soon. So I was, um, well, at least your hair looks fabulous. And I know you look fabulous. Congratulations. Thank you. So my husband would always ask, why don't you just stick to one stylist? And I said, I haven't found someone who can do everything. And I found you who can do everything. And I came home. I remember marching and I was like, I found my person. (laughs) But um, one of the things I loved most was, you know, you, you usually you go to get your hair done. And if you're a black woman getting a wig or a weave, nine times out of 10, that's all your stylist is offering. But you offered a full 
service, a full experience, and you're expert. You're an expert at color. Thank so what did you do to get there? Because I remember you saying in cosmetology school, you aren't given as much flexibility as people would think. Definitely. So this is my experience in cosmetology school. And I know a lot of people probably can relate. Your experience in cosmetology school and in many places does depend on your race. If you, we are, we're all given hours to complete certain services. So in cosmetology school in New York, I believe it's 1200 hours or a thousand, I think it's a thousand hours. And you're supposed to do 400 hours of rollers, 300 hours of relaxers or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And everyone is supposed to do the same thing. But I noticed, you know, the black students, African-American students, we would only get relaxers and, and weaves and perms you know, things that they think that we should know in order to go out into the, the workforce as a black woman. And I didn't understand that. I'm paying $15,000 worth of my own money for what I saved up for a year to learn something that I've, I already know. Going into cosmetology school, I already had salon work experience. So I'm aware of all these things that I'm supposed to be doing. I, I know how to do weaves and how to do relaxers. I know how to do majority of these things. I'm just here for the license and I'm mm -hmm. here to learn the things that I don't know. But the coloring, the balayage, the highlights, they were always giving to the Caucasian um, students or Hispanic women. And it it hurt me because how, how, how am I getting a fair shot? I remember someone came in to do a weave one day and they said, hey, Jessica, go ahead and um, do the weave. And I said, no, mm -hmm. I'm not doing that. I refuse. And they're like, well, we're going to write you up. I said, but you're not going to give it to anyone because after I'm done with cosmetology school, I'm going to work for myself. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> they didn't believe me. But my me putting my foot down allowed me to get like basically earn a seat at the table to learn how to do highlights, to learn how to do color, understand how to cut hair and place myself somewhere that they when I was done, they didn't even know what to do with me. I was so versatile. I was happy because a few teachers were able to teach me everything that they knew and teach me things that new trends such as balayage. I learned that in school. Wow. There's stylists now that don't even know what the term means or probably can't even pronounce the term, but I was able to A lot of people say Baylage and I'm like, it's <laughs> there's, there's so many students who are cut from the conversation or cut from the skill to even learn the skill set of coloring because it's not something that black stylists need to know how to do. And, and you can ask a lot of people, will you allow your stylist to install your weave, your black stylist? Yes. Will you allow her to color it? No, because more than likely it's going to come out orange or yeah. so yeah. not, they don't understand the color concept and it's not their fault. They were not taught such things. So how can they practice? But there's a lot of things that uh, people don't see that goes on in the beauty industry. And that's one, you're mm -hmm. set up for whatever job title they think you should have or putting a title on what you should be doing before you even get out into the workforce. So I think that anyone who's in cosmetology school or looking to be a hairstylist, you have to put your foot down and, and, and become who you want to be. Mm. So when I, when I did come into the workforce and started working for myself, it's funny. I said, I'm not doing any weaves. <laughs> and I started to do 
weaves. But I said, you know what? I'm going to do weaves differently. I want my weaves mm-hmm. to look natural, but I also want to add natural colors and not just honey brown. I, I don't, <laughs> I, I wanted to have, I want to make every client feel like they can still look like themselves. That's why I, when I, when I was doing your hair, I would say, here's the, here's the comb. Yeah. Let me know how you like to look. I don't mm-hmm. want to formulate how you should look because at the end of this service, you're not going to recognize yourself. Yep. Yeah. So that to me is very important. Always having someone feel like themselves. But I also want to add a little bit of, you know, a little extra on you, of course. Yeah. I love that. To build on to that point, you know, Instagram and YouTube, really, I know there was one point where I thought I could do my own hair. I remember it was two years ago. I I, uh, had a curly wig and I cut myself bangs (laughs) and everyone was calling me Rick James. It was horrible. It was horrible. <laughs> we, I think we all had that moment. We all had it. And we don't like to admit we definitely all had that moment. But to that point, you know, you get the false sense that anyone can be a beautician. So why is it important to go to a licensed stylist? I think that the first step is, you know, accepting that you can't do it, you know, <laughs> and then to find someone that represents what you want to be or what you want to look like. It's really important to find someone who's licensed because you know that they have the qualifications to do whatever it is that you want to do. But I will say this, there's a lot of talented individuals who are not licensed. And I was one. I was one before I I got my license because it's not everyone who's able to afford to get their license. You are first, you're sure, you're sure to know that you're in good hands because they've done the work in order to get the results that you're looking for. It's important to trust your stylist. That's number one. Trust your stylist. I think that trust behind any work gives a better results. I think that, as I said, going back to the first day, admitting that, you know, you can't do it and you need help because even sitting in the chair and you, that's one of the worst feelings, sitting in the chair and you know, your client feels like they know more than you about their hair. So they're reluctant to even having you do the actual service. Yeah. That's a really tough thing to to deal with as a stylist, but I think it's all about trust. Trusting your stylist is essential for whatever service that you want to get done. As a stylist, you are interacting with various personalities all day long. What have you learned from your clients and what knowledge do you hope we gain from you after leaving your chair? I want to say two years ago, I I thought of the idea to have a uh, salon that was kind of created around therapy. Mm. Because I felt like a lot of my clients would come to me and just like pour their heart out. Mm. And I always felt it weird. I'm like, wow, you just met me and you're able to sit down <laughs> in my chair and talk about everything. <laughs> and that is something that I'm 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 known for is like making someone feel comfortable enough to talk about anything. Absolutely. Um, I was happy that people had that feeling around me. But something I've learned from them is although my clients are customers, they are individuals who have an outside life. Mm -hmm. And when they come to me for a service, it's not just a service. I'm affecting people in so many different ways that that Mm -hmm. I don't even know about. I say things and people carry it with them. And I have two clients now um, that I I have a few clients, but I know two clients off the top of my head that sometimes I look back and I'm like, I met you once. And 
you were so happy with your results. You wanted me to be a part of your wedding. Wow. Yeah. One time, one experience. You want to be a part of your wedding. I have one client that I met and we are still close on Instagram. I'm able to watch her growth, watch her have kids and, you know, mm. all this great stuff. And we interact as if we know each other from somewhere. And just that interaction, it just makes me feel like, you know what? I love engaging with my clients and I, and it, they teach me that your job isn't just a simple old job. Mm. You are more important. Your, 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 your representation to other people is so much more important than what you think. Yeah. What I think I teach my clients is a few things. Uh, I, I'm pretty young. I'm pretty young. So, you know, I've been I've been a hairstylist for a while. And, you know, like every time um, I would bring up my age, it would always be shocked. I remember being, <laughs> I remember being 20 years old and I'm doing a 60 year old lady's hair. And she's like, wait, are you even can you, you know? <laughs> so one thing I, I've taught them is, you know, no matter how young you are, talent comes in so many different shapes, age, whatever it is, you cannot discriminate against age. That is so true. And I know ladies never tell their age, but you are lower 20s, right? Yeah. And you opened up your salon. I did. You are officially a business owner. Yes, it feels quite stressful. (laughs) stressful. But what did you have to sacrifice to accomplish this at such a young age? I had to sacrifice a lot because I began being a licensed hairstylist in my, before I was even able to drink, you know? Mm. So a lot of things that my peers wanted to do, I couldn't be involved with because I had to be in the city. I lived in Westchester. It was a two hour commute. So I had to be in the city. I had to be ready for work by 7 a.m. just to get to work for nine or mm-hmm. get early, get there earlier just to set up. And I was responsible for my own dollars. That mean meaning if I don't wake up, I don't make money. If I don't mm-hmm. show up, I don't have overtime. I don't have benefits. I don't have, everything was on me. Mm-hmm. Every single thing is on me. So I had to sacrifice my friendships. I had to sacrifice par- going out partying. I had to sacrifice my shelter, home, everything. Mm. I had to sacrifice a lot of my life to start off really quickly. It was definitely worth it in the long run. But I wish, I honestly wish that my friends and my family, my family see it now, but I wish that they could see how much of my time that I sacrificed for the better. You know, I feel like a lot of people see the, they see the end results. They see the finished product. You see the salon, but you don't know how much work was behind it. I feel like if if everyone could see the sacrifices that a lot of entrepreneurs or a lot of business owners, they go through, they would definitely understand and not take a lot of things personal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that, that is one thing that was very difficult for me, sacrificing a lot of relationships with people. Completely. I think you also sacrifice a lot during the day. And as clients, we don't think about what our stylist's day-to-day is. Like the fact that you're working 12-hour days and you barely have time for lunch. Yes. You know, it's funny. I'm actually training my body now to get back into not eating for 12 hours. Wow. And 
it's a cool thing sometimes. <laughs> sometimes I'm two minutes away from passing out. But yeah, it's, it's something that people don't know. You know, you you have to choose. Do I take an extra client for the day or, you know, squeeze in that client that's asking to come in? Or do you take a lunch break? Which mm-hmm. one is more important? Having Sally upset with you for the week or find another stylist and may potentially not come back because mm-hmm. they found stylist that is either closer or more convenient, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. sometimes even better, you know, because I, I'm, I'm a stylist that I don't, I never, I would never say that I'm the best. I'm great. I will say that, but I will never say that I'm the best. There's always room for improvement. So I, I feel like we sacrifice our time so that our clients can be happy. Mm-hmm. And in that time, yeah, we don't eat. We lack sleep and you lack your personal life. Mm. What are some etiquette rules you wish more of us knew? Do not show up late. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Not showing up late. Do not show up with food, especially when you're late. That Mm -hmm. to me are, are saying, you know, the train was late or anything, giving me an excuse as to why you're late, but yet you have Dunkin' Donuts in your hand. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe if there's a cup for me, I will be a little bit more late. (laughs) But that is the one thing that stylists hate the absolute Mm. most. Also to bringing a lot of people with you to your appointment. Mm. That is, of course, in a climate that we're in with COVID, um, that is a no-go, but I think that's an extra no-go go because of of course you know seating rules or or and actually one one major thing you do not sit in a stylist chair while she's not there huh yeah wow. okay yeah. it's it's kind of like your boss sitting in your chair when you get to work mm. waiting on you to 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 do this new project okay it's like I'm, I'm it you feel rushed you feel mm. like oh i gotta hurry up and and and, and eat this last piece of donut real quick <laughs> although yeah. i'm i'm not late you're just early you know, mm. but you're in my chair. So it makes me feel like I'm doing something wrong and I, ha- I have to hurry up to get to you because you're so important to, you know, that's actually a major rule in a salon. Do not sit in the stylist chair beforehand. That's good to know. That's really good to know. And, you know, beauty is so important for everyone. I even would argue that men are getting a they bit are. more <laughs> involved in their routines. But why do you think hair is so crucial to self-esteem? When someone looks at you, the first thing that they're looking at is your face mm-hmm. and the hair surrounds that. It identifies you as, you know, a lot of things. If you have curly hair, you may be a little bit more free spirited. If you have straight hair, you have maybe a little more conservative. Your hair gives you identifies your personality almost Mm. and it says a lot about you are you someone who cares about your your look it's so much that can be said about a a woman or a man who is well taken care of Mm -hmm. it's first hair shoes then nails yeah it's actually exact exact order Mm. my mom used to always tell me like it doesn't matter what outfit you have on if your hair and your nails aren't done That was her. That was her golden rule. That is true. And you can have a great outfit and your hair is messed up and it just doesn't go. Okay. So you have opened up your salon. What do you want us to know about what you're offering? First of all, tell us the name. Tell us everything we need to know. I want you to sell it because the pictures are absolutely beautiful. And what can a customer expect? Okay. So the name of the salon is Milani House of Beauty. So I came up with the name 
because, of course, my a last name, Milani and House of Beauty. I got into interior designing and it's been the love of my for a really long time. I never wanted my salon to feel like it's somewhere that you need to come in. It's annoying to sit there and wait. And I wanted you guys to feel comfortable. So I remember going into people's homes and doing their hair and that's where people are most comfortable. Yeah. So I wanted to create that feel. You know, mm. you're it's, it's a house. It's not just standard. You sit here and you wait here. We collect your payment here. Do mm. your hair and you get out. No, I wanted you guys to feel comfortable with the space and to also come in and know that we have some of the best stylists here right now it's just me working because I'm putting I'm still I'm very meticulous in in design so I'm getting the salon ready to the T before mm. I offer employment to anyone so I want it to be perfect for whoever it is that I have alongside my team I also want my clients to know that this is a very warm space loving non-judgmental and somewhere that you can come and open up to anyone any employee, anything that's going on in your life, you're always here. Um, more than just your stylist. That's one of my key things is that we're not just hairstylists. We are here in many different ways. Mm-hmm. And we're here to enhance beauty from inside and out. Oh, I love it. I can't wait. <laughs> I'm so excited. And honestly, knowing you very briefly, I think people would be very surprised to know that I sat in your chair once and I yes. begged you to be on the show. We did. Um, <laughs> had a great conversation. I was like, you know what? I can do this. I talk to people all day. I can do this. <laughs> you just exude warmth. So I have no doubt that your salon will as well. Thank you so much. So 10 years from now, what do you hope you will have accomplished? And when you're thinking about Jessica in her 20s, will there be a moment where you're like, huh, I should have been more proud of that accomplishment? I think that's my major thing now. I don't sit back in my own victories ever. Mm. Although it's a victory now to me, to someone else, it's you can always do better. That's the Jamaican mm. side of me. It's like, <laughs> you can always do better. That's my mom in my head. But 10 years from now, well, definitely 10 years from now, I want to own a few salons with the same concept, maybe turning into into a franchise. And I definitely want to create some some kind of foundation where I can help young women mold themselves into more than just what they think that they're capable of, create new entrepreneurs and finding other ways to help people. That's my big, my big number one goal. My 10 year goal is to find a way to educate and help the community. The opening of the salon, I definitely should have been more proud. I think the adversity surrounding the salon, opening the salon was such a hard task Mm. that I was just relieved. It was not, oh my God, I'm a salon owner. I'm a business owner. It was, okay, we're done spending a million dollars. Let's get back to work. Can you tell me a bit more about like, what were some of the first steps you needed to take to find a location, to get a permit? Finding a location was the first step and knowing the budget, the real estate in New York City is disturbing, (laughs) (laughs) especially for the size. (laughs) So that I knew I was in for uh, a true heartache. 
week with that one. Mm-hmm. So I was going on everything from Craigslist to Street Easy to com- everything possible for about a month. Mm-hmm. And I found a really good company and they were able to work with all of my ideas. But in the process, although I'm building a salon and using all of my money for that, I still had to rent a salon. So I was I was paying for two salons at once. Wow. And it was it was really costly and very, very stressful. So in between time that I'm taking clients, I'm going to the other salon to make sure construction is going right. Things are not being delayed. The wall is being painted. Then I'm going back to work. I'm coming. It it was a lot of things. As I said, a lot of things that entrepreneurs go through, the general public don't get to see. But the next step after that was to get the LLC and then get your permit and passing inspection, all the above. And of course, getting insurance. Insurance is essential. Mm. You know, you have a beautiful salon and something goes wrong that you can you can do all these steps and forget that one tiny thing and everything is gone in two seconds. Mm. So that's one of the most vital things for your business is to don't forget insurance. Mm. Wow. Well, again, congratulations. Thank you so much. You did it. And what advice can you provide to anyone hoping to follow in your footsteps and grow in the business of beauty? I would say that not to let anyone define you, to take every criticism wholeheartedly and not be upset or not take it offensive. You know, where you're, you're still growing no matter what you're doing. There's always room for improvement. And I definitely would want to say that you're always going to need someone to look up to. Mm. You're always going to need someone to humble you in moments of doubt in moments of where you're doing too much. And from a young age, I was able to, to understand that with age may not give you everything, but it does give you knowledge and wisdom. So it's important to have someone that's older than you as a mentor. So um, if you're looking to grow a business and looking to grow in any way, it's really important to find yourself a mentor or a few mentors and just accept their ideas and think not even accept, but be open to their ideas, be open to anything that can possibly help you and not just I know it all attitude. I think that is the way to skip over the things that we failed Mm -hmm. and get to your goal a little bit faster. Absolutely. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, if anyone is interested in visiting the Milani House of Beauty, where can they find you? How should they book your time? Tell us the deets. So I am located at 99 Madison Avenue between 29th and 30th Street in Manhattan. You can book online at styleseat.com slash Jessica Milani for now. I am still working on my website. I'm definitely looking for someone who can create website. My Instagram is at Milani in the city, or you can follow the business Instagram at Milani House of Beauty. And you can contact me there if you are interested in making a new website for me. I'm open to any creative minds and anyone who would want to work. I'm all for it. Well, Jessica, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. Wait, I'm sorry. If I don't ask you this question, people are going to flip out. What are some of your (laughs) hair care routine? Really quickly, give us a run through of like, how can we take care of our hair and be healthy? Okay. So first of all, good hair comes from the inside. That's number one. Mm. Water, water and water and avocado. (laughs) 
<laughs> I always tell people putting avocado in your hair for a mask is great, but eating them is even better. Um, <laughs> so I'm really big on moisturizing products. If you have fine hair, that may not be the case for you, but you still do some do need some moisture. Mazani is one of my favorite lines. Wella. They do have a lot of products for color-treated hair or colored hair. I really like the line for fine hair. Mm. And Olaplex, for all the people who love flat irons out there, or all the people who love to color your hair at home when you know you're supposed to be in the salon doing it, Olaplex (laughs) is definitely something that you can add to whatever crazy formula you're mixing in at home to help your hair restructure itself. So those three brands is my number um, one like go-to to anything that I'm doing with my hair. I find that a lot of actually, and what is it called? As I am. That's one brand for African-American women that I can actually stand behind. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our, our hair care uh, products are very expensive and yes. it's sad when we buy them and they don't work. But I will yes. say <laughs> As I Am is really good, a really good line. And Miss Jessie, a really good line. Thank you. Well, for real this time, <laughs> thank you so much for your time. Thank you for taking a risk and joining me tonight. I am so grateful and I can't wait to visit the salon and no problem. It was in different states and countries in the next few years to come. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciated doing this. Thank you so much. (laughs) Awesome. Hey guys, thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed that episode, Please do me a huge favor and rate, review, and subscribe. Also, if you have any questions or comments about the show, please feel free to hit me up at the Lookback Podcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you, and until then, have a wonderful week, and I'll see you next time. Bye.